Be seated. And let's open our Bibles together to Psalm 150. Psalm 150. This is the last of the Hallelujah Psalms that we've been working our way through, the last five Psalms in the book of Psalms, 146 through 150. These Psalms are teaching us to do what we're made to do and what we've been saved to do as believers, and that is to praise the Lord, to praise God with our lips and with our lives. And the Psalm for this morning, Psalm 150, focuses on the fact that, as I said earlier, everyone everywhere should praise God joyfully for who he is and for what he's done. That's the message of the psalm in brief. Everyone everywhere should praise God joyfully for who he is and what he's done. Now, obviously, not everyone does that, but everyone should do that, and anyone can do that through faith in Jesus Christ. Through the gospel, our hearts can be changed so that we do what this psalm says, so that we praise God joyfully for who he is and what he's done. We, as believers, will do that imperfectly in this life, but we will do it perfectly and eternally in the life to come when everything that has breath on the new earth will praise the Lord forever. And until that day comes, we wanna practice. So let's give our attention to this psalm with that in mind. And let me pray for us before we look at it together. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for how praiseworthy you are. We see that so clearly in this psalm. And we pray that you would use the psalm to stir our hearts, to praise you more. We thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, who praised you perfectly during his earthly life and who has changed our hearts through the gospel so that we can follow in his steps. So teach us to praise you joyfully for who you are and what you have done. And make us long more for that day when we will do it perfectly and forever. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 150, this is the word of God. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. As you can see there in your sermon notes, we're going to look at what the psalm says about where God should be praised, verse 1. Why God should be praised, verse 2. How God should be praised, verses 3 through 5. And Who should praise God? Verse six. And again, we'll see that everyone, everywhere, should praise God joyfully for who he is and what he's done. So first, let's look at what verse one says about where God should be praised. Look again at verse one with me. Praise the Lord. 
Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. In other words, praise him down here in the sanctuary and praise him up there in the heavens. Praise him down here in the sanctuary, which used to be the temple, but now is really wherever a congregation of believers is gathered for corporate worship. And praise him up there in the heavens. That is all you angels and stars, like we saw back in Psalm 148. Praise God in heaven and praise God on earth. Praise him everywhere is the idea. Commentator Derek Kidner wrote, earth and heaven can be utterly at one in this. God's glory fills the universe. His praise must do no less. His praise must fill the universe. So where should God be praised? God should be praised everywhere. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Now one takeaway for us from this verse by way of reminder is that God's praise is what we should focus on most when we come together for corporate worship. God's praise is what we should focus on most when we come together for corporate worship. Now that may be obvious, but we all need to be reminded of it. We, we so easily forget that that is the case. We have a lot of other things on our mind when we come to worship, don't we? And they can, be, they can be bad things, of course, or just difficult things that are going on in our lives, or they can be good things. So kids, you may be excited about seeing your friends when you come to church. You might be excited about going to Sunday school. That's a good thing. During the service, if you're the sound guy, you're, you're rightly focused on a lot of things for the benefit and blessing of the congregation, muting me before the singing starts, for example. If you're the pianist, you're focused on the notes and the pace and accompanying our singing. If you're an elder, you're focused on leading the service, teaching God's word, leading in prayer. Hopefully all of us are focused on keeping an eye out for new people so we can meet them and welcome them. Perhaps you may particularly enjoy the sound of our congregational singing or singing parts during that time. Or you may be thinking about a conversation you wanna have with a fellow church member after the service. All good things, to be sure. But not the best thing. The best thing, above all those other things, is that we get to meet with God in worship. We get to praise God together. We get to enjoy God's presence, his special presence among us in corporate worship. We get to learn more of him. We get to have communion with him and fellowship with him in the means of grace. And his praise is what we should focus on most when we come together for corporate worship. Parents, you may already be doing this. But if not, I would encourage you to remind your kids of this very point and remind yourself of this very point, perhaps in the car on the way to church in the morning or in the evening. You could maybe pray together as soon as you turn on to Westminster Drive. It could be a good signal to pray together that God would help you to focus on him above all else. For all of us, we should pray on our own before we come to church, perhaps when we're getting our church clothes on in the morning, in the afternoon. Pray that God would help us to praise him in his sanctuary. Of course, we can all pray along these lines during the prelude and preparation for worship. That's one of the reasons we have 
that time before we start our service so that we can focus our minds and our hearts on this, on praising God together. But it's easy to lose focus during the service, isn't it? So we can pray during the service when we lose focus. Ask God to take your heart that is prone to wander and to bind your wandering heart to him. Think of your car. What does your car do when it's out of alignment? It pulls to one side or the other, right? It's always pulling away from where it's supposed to go, which is, of course, straight ahead. Our hearts are like that. Constantly pulling away from the focus of praising God. Maybe your heart tends to pull or drift toward your to-do list. The things you need to get done in the week ahead or the things you didn't get done last week. Your thoughts might pull toward looking around the sanctuary and comparing yourself with others which may stir up feelings of superiority in your heart or perhaps inferiority. Your heart might pull towards earthly things, a movie you were watching last night or a book you were reading or a game you were playing perhaps. See, our alignment can be off, the alignment of our hearts. Pulling, drifting to one side or the other, away from the focus on praising God. But God is gracious to pull us back, to straighten us out, to fix our alignment so that our hearts can be focused on praising him in his sanctuary. So pray that he would do that. Pray that he would fix your alignment so that his praise is what you focus on most when you come together for corporate worship. But of course, God should be praised everywhere, not just in his sanctuary, but also in his mighty heavens. He should be praised in heaven and earth. But why should he be praised Let's consider that under our second main point now. Why should God be praised? Look at verse two for the answer. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. In other words, praise him for who he is and praise him for what he has done. Praise him for his attributes and for his actions. His mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. What are his mighty deeds? Well, his works of creation and providence and redemption. Children, you may remember the shorter catechism definition of the work of creation. Question and answer number nine. What is the work of creation? The work of creation is God's making all things of nothing by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good. See, I tried to do that without looking down at my notes to see if I could remember the shorter catechism myself. Question and answer number 11 goes on to say, what are God's works of providence? God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. So creation and providence, and then kind of subsumed under providence is the work of redemption. Sometimes it's creation and providence, sometimes creation, providence, and redemption, which of course is a mighty deed of God, God redeeming sinners through his son, which includes the father electing us before the foundation of the world, like Pastor Tim talked about recently 
in the sermon on Ephesians 1. And the Son redeeming us through his life and death and resurrection on our behalf. And the Spirit applying to us the redemption accomplished by the Son and planned by the Father. Which includes regeneration and effectual calling and faith and repentance in response to that work of God and justification, adoption, sanctification, and glorification. These are the mighty deeds of God, creation and providence and redemption through Jesus Christ. But it's not just what God has done that makes him praiseworthy, of course. It's also who he is. We're to praise him for his mighty deeds, but we're also to praise him for his excellent greatness. Deuteronomy 3, 24 says, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Or Psalm 145, verses three through six. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. God's excellent greatness. Verse one alluded to God's holiness and God's power. His sanctuary is called his sanctuary because he is holy. And his heavens are mighty heavens because he is mighty. Side note, as Charles Spurgeon wrote, it is a blessed thing that in our God, holiness and power are united. Power without righteousness would be oppression. And righteousness without power would be too weak for usefulness. But put the two together in an infinite degree and we have God. We should praise God for his excellent greatness. We should praise him for his holiness and power. We should praise him for all of his attributes. Plot your hymnals for just a moment, if you would. Turn to the back to page 849. You can read along or just listen if you like. Page 849. I'd like to read two paragraphs from the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter two, of God and of the Holy Trinity. So this is the Westminster Confession of Faith, an excellent summary of what the Bible teaches in this case, in chapter two, about God, about God's character. Page 849, paragraph one, I'll read paragraphs one and two. There is but one only living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, 
working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and withal, most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty. And paragraph two. God hath all life, glory, goodness, blessedness, in and of himself, and is alone in and unto himself all sufficient, not standing in need of any creatures which he hath made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his own glory in, by, unto, and upon them. He is the alone fountain of all being, of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things, and hath most sovereign dominion over them, to do by them, for them, or upon them, whatsoever himself pleaseth. In his sight, all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creature, so as nothing is to him contingent or uncertain. He is most holy in all his counsels, in all his works, and in all his commands. To him is due from angels and men and every other creature whatsoever worship, service, or obedience he is pleased to require of them. Put your hymnals away. One question we can ask ourselves about this by way of application is, does my praise of God correspond to his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness? Does my praise of God correspond to, does it match his mighty deeds and excellent greatness? His deeds are mighty, his greatness is excellent. Does my praise of God reflect that? Is the attitude of my heart and worship consistent with how unbelievably amazing his mighty deeds are? Is the attitude of my heart and worship consistent with the excellent greatness of the one being worshiped? So think of being at a sporting event. When something great happens in the game, everyone goes crazy. When someone hits a grand slam in a baseball game, or in a football game when someone returns a kickoff for a touchdown, or in a basketball game when there's a buzzer beater, the response of the fans corresponds to the greatness of what just happened. So when someone scores, for example, the winning basket just as the buzzer goes off, the fans don't turn to one another and calmly say, well, that was interesting, and then exit the arena. No, they go crazy. They go wild, they jump up and down, they high five each other, they yell to their horse. Their response corresponds to the greatness of what happened, it matches it. We want it to be much the same in corporate worship. We want our praise of God to correspond to the wonder of his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. 
Pray that it would be so. Pray for forgiveness if it's not and a change of heart so that your praise of God matches the true greatness of who God is and what God has done for you. Well, that kind of leans us into our third consideration, our third main point, which is how should God be praised? Look at verse three. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Translation, praise him joyfully. Praise him with exuberant joy. Praise him with everything you've got. Praise him with every fiber of your being. Praise him joyfully and loudly and exuberantly. Again, because of who he is and what he's done. Just like this orchestra of instruments, we should be an orchestra of the redeemed. Each one of us unique, but all joined together in the praise of our God, each one of us adding our unique voice to the corporate choir. Romans 15, five and six, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how should God be praised? He should be praised joyfully with joy. We don't always feel joyful, of course. Sometimes we just feel tired. Sometimes we feel bored. Sometimes we feel upset, lonely. Sometimes we feel angry, overwhelmed. Sometimes we feel discontent. We feel a lot of different things as our hearts sort of respond to our circumstances, but no matter how we feel, God is always worthy of our joyful praise. His glory and beauty and majesty are always right there in front of us. It's just that sometimes we can't see it. It's like we're standing in front of a beautiful painting in an art gallery And our response should be awe and delight and appreciation and satisfaction. We can't see the painting because our vision is blurry. It's there, it's real, it's beautiful, but we can't see it. Therefore, we don't savor it. We need to put our contacts in or our glasses on and then we'll see. And this psalm gives us the lenses we need When we read that God is worthy of such joyful praise, praise him with trumpet sound and lute and harp and tambourine and all the rest, when we read that, and it can help us to see how praiseworthy he really is. So that even if we don't feel it, we can still believe it. We can sing by faith, not by feel. So when we read this, rather than feeling sort of left behind by this psalm, let's feel pulled along by this psalm. And when we're here in corporate worship, we can be pulled along also and helped along by our fellow church members. 
As others sing joyfully, the rising tide of joy lifts all boats. And we are helped and encouraged to add our voice to the choir and to praise God with joy. So we've considered where God should be praised. He should be praised everywhere. We've considered why God should be praised for who he is and what he's done. And we've considered how God should be praised with joy. Let's consider finally who should praise him. Who should praise him? The answer is in verse six. The end of this psalm and the end of the book of Psalms. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who should praise him? Everything that has breath should praise him. Everyone should praise him. Everyone everywhere should praise God joyfully for who he is and what he's done. Everything that has breath has breath from the Lord. He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, Acts 17, 25. So everything that has breath should use that breath to praise the Lord. Matthew Henry wrote, what have we our breath, our spirit for, but to spend it in praising God? And how can we spend it better? Back in Psalm 148, verses 10 through 14, we read, Beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Or as Psalm 145, 21 says, let all flesh Bless his holy name forever and ever. Near the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter five, verse 13, we read this. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Where should God be praised? Everywhere. Why should he be praised for who he is and what he's done? How should he be praised? With joy. Who should praise him? Everyone. Everyone everywhere should praise him joyfully for who he is and what he's done. Two thoughts by way of application as we draw to a close this morning. First, everyone should do this, but no one does do this by nature. But anyone can do this through the gospel. Everyone should do this, but no one does do this by nature. But anyone can do this through the gospel. Everyone should praise the Lord. Everyone that has breath from the Lord should use their breath to praise the Lord. But no one does do this by nature because of sin. By nature we praise the creature 
rather than the creator. By nature, we live for ourselves and for this world instead of for God and the world to come. Everyone should praise God, but by nature, no one praises God. But through the gospel, anyone can praise God because the Son of God became a man and lived and died and rose again for sinners. And if we repent of our sins and put our faith in him, we can be saved. Our hearts can be changed so that this psalm becomes our life so that we praise God joyfully for who he is and what he's done for us. And if you've never acknowledged your sin to God and turned from it and turned to Christ in faith, believing in him, relying on him, trusting in him to save you from the judgment of God we all deserve, what better time is there to do that than this morning? Right now in your seat, right where you sit, tell him you know you should praise him because he is so praiseworthy. We've seen that together in this song. Confess to him that you haven't praised him with your life. You don't praise him in your life. Ask him to save you from your life of sin and from the just punishment you deserve. Put all your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of sinners. Ask him to change your heart. Ask him to make you new. If you have any questions, come talk to me after the service, please. But turn from your sin and trust in the Savior and you will be saved. Secondly and finally, as believers, we should respond to this psalm by praising God now and by looking forward to the day when we will praise him perfectly and forever. Praise him now and look forward to the day when we will praise him perfectly and forever. Listen to Matthew Henry again. He ties these two things together in talking about some of the ways we can praise God. He says, praise God with a strong faith. Praise him with holy love and delight. Praise him with an entire confidence in Christ. Praise him with a believing triumph over the powers of darkness. Praise him with an earnest desire towards him and a full satisfaction in him. Praise him by a universal respect to all his commands. Praise him by a cheerful submission to all his disposals. Praise him by rejoicing in his love and solacing yourselves in his great goodness. Praise him by promoting the interests of the kingdom of his grace. Praise him by a lively hope and expectation of the kingdom of his glory. We can praise God now by promoting the interests of his kingdom of grace and also by looking forward with a lively hope and expectation of his kingdom of glory when Christ returns. Henry counsels, let us often take a pleasure in thinking what glorified saints are doing in heaven, what those are doing whom we have been acquainted with on earth but who have gone before us thither. And let it not only make us long to be among them but quicken us to do this part of the will of God on earth as those do it that are in heaven. And let us spend as much of our time as may be 
in this good work because in it we hope to spend a joyful eternity. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That will happen when Christ returns. When Christ returns, everything that has breath on the new earth will praise the Lord forever. We will spend a joyful eternity praising God perfectly. But for now, we feel our weakness, don't we? Our praise of God often feels weak. Sort of like when you're in a dream and you try to talk or yell out, but no sound comes out of your mouth. Our praise of God so often falls short of what we want it to be. But by God's grace, we can grow in our praise of him. And we can look forward to the day when we will praise him perfectly. When Psalm 150 will be our experience with all of the redeemed on the new earth forever. That's why we sing together with joy. When I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fears subside. Death of death and hell's destruction land me safe on Canaan's side. Songs of praises, songs of praises I will ever give to thee. I will ever give to thee. Let's pray together. Lord, we look forward to the day when we will praise you perfectly forever. And until that day comes, help us to praise you more and more with our lips and with our lives. Help us to respond to this psalm by praising you joyfully for who you are and what you've done for us what you have done for us and continue to do in us through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray together in his name. Amen.